Welcome to the Uphill Athlete Podcast. These programs are just one of several free services we provide to disseminate information about training for mountain sports. If you like what you hear and want more, please check out our website, uphillathlete.com, where you'll find many articles and our extensive video library on all aspects of training for and accomplishing a variety of mountain goals. You'll also find our forum where you can ask questions of our experts and the community at large. Our email is coach at uphillathlete.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Hi, everybody. I'm Allison Naney. I'm a coach at Uphill Athlete. And I'm Sam Naney, also a coach at Uphill Athlete. Now that that's taken care of. <laughs> We're here, <laughs> sitting we, in our living room with our children asleep. Maybe. Um, so we're going to talk about strength today. And I, we talk about all kinds of training things all the time. But strength is one that comes back around quite a bit. Just, I think, a lot because of our differences in strength. Um, and I thought it might be interesting for athletes and listeners to... Um, kind of get the get the idea of what we think about from a coaching standpoint when we're talking about strength, and then if there's time, I mean, we're using strength as as the example, but really it can be broadened to all kinds of different physiological training effects that we're going for. Um, so, uh, with with strength, what do you think about? What do you consider strength, Sam? Uh, yeah, strength strength can occupy a lot of different uh, <clears throat> a lot of different realms. When we think about athletes, uh, you know, we can. I think the most common concept that people think about with strength is pure muscular power, really. So, you know, someone's ability to move a an amount of weight over a distance. Uh, quickly and effectively. So, you know, being able to deadlift X number of pounds or, you know, bench press or to jump from the floor onto a tall box. So what we think about is strength, but really, I, you know, what I try to think about of strength more fundamentally is and the way a given muscle or, or group of muscles can move most effectively through their entire range of motion. Um, so that's not necessarily the 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 beefcake beach bod that uh, is lifting big barbells um, for show as you know that there is a, there is strength involved there but it could just as equal equally be the ultra lean uh, mountain runner who doesn't necessarily have this big bulky muscular physique but can move really efficiently and quickly over huge rugged uh, you know high elevation terrain. Uh, so that's strength as well. It's just how effective can your muscles do the work that you ask of them uh, in the most efficient way possible moving through that range of motion. Yeah. And I think and we'll get into this a little bit later, but it really has to have context of what it is that you're wanting to do. So strength is all good and well to deadlift 500 pounds, but if you can't run well if if you're a runner and you have a hard time running more than a mile and you're wanting to do an ultra then that strength isn't doing you that much good so how to transfer the strength that you have 
into the goal that you're wanting to do. And I think of it a little bit from the opposite standpoint because I'm a Prius <laughs> with not much power that I think like, okay, well, I, I need to actually gain more strength. Um, whereas some people might need to focus more on the other parts of being more economical or um, just getting more efficient with what, with what they're doing. So movement efficiency and movement strength as well. You know, it takes strength to run fast around a track, but we don't always think about that as strength just by and large. Yeah. I think, I think specificity is, is once again, the key that's sort of that word permeates so much about training and for good reason. Um, If you, and, and I know, Scott, Scott and I talk about speed, uh, in a, in a recent podcast and, uh, you know, this, it's the same principle and speed is a component of strength in that, you know, if you, just like you said, you know, if you can't run one mile fast, how do you expect to run 13.1 miles or 26.2 miles fast? Uh, so you, you have to develop this specificity. It's not if your intent is to be an ultra runner or to be a ski mountaineer, then lifting weights in a gym has benefit. But, you know, we, we often think of that as, as, you know, very general strength or, you know, even more sort of tongue in cheek kind of dumb strength. Right. So it, it gets the muscles prepared in a certain way. It, it develops a certain form of the strength that they need, but what in order to get them from that point, that sort of foundational point of strength to the ultimate specificity that you're asking of them when they run up a mountain or, or you know, do a ski mountaineering objective, uh, there's, there's several steps in between to sort of hone the edge of that strength and make them, make them prepared for it. That, that's the specificity angle. Yeah. And I think more broadly, we, you know, it, from a coaching standpoint, it's always a little bit, tricky to thread that thread that needle of um training your weaknesses and and then hopefully racing your strengths so finding finding that edge of where you can have an athlete get the most benefit from kind of working on the things that they don't have but then also being able to capitalize on the on the strengths that they do have Um, which are very difficult things to do in practice. And you know, coach, coaching it is a little bit, yeah, certainly more straightforward because it's easy to be objective. I think it's a lot more difficult to do that when it's, uh, when it's your own self that you're trying to identify your strengths and weaknesses and then consciously uh, trend toward the weaknesses and not be inclined to just train the things that you're good at. Like, I love strength and I feel like I have natural tendencies toward sort of that, what I was mentioning, like kind of the dumb strength. Like I could, you know, I like doing into the gym and lifting a lot. It feels really good, but there's a certain point at which it doesn't really, it doesn't really make me a better runner. Uh, there are a lot, I, I, there are a lot more things that I could do that would be effective. Um, totally. And I'm on the other end of that. <laughs> no, pretty much any workout I don't do is a uh, some form of strength. So then I think the other question is, and again we can get in a little bit more uh, structured way to talk about this, but um, how to get the how to get the training effect that we're after. So there are lots of different ways to get 
what we're going for. And so the, you know, deciding, okay, well, should we go for what you're going to get the maximum benefit from, which might be doing something that you don't like doing as much, or do we just kind of ease into it, doing the things that you like to do, knowing that you might not get quite as much of a benefit, but the likelihood that you'll actually do it and look forward to doing it week after week is higher. So then maybe you choose that route. Um, so what do you have anybody in mind that, or that you can think of as, as an example, like when we, when we first have somebody who comes to coaching and um, let's say they want to run an ultra, um, what are the types of things that you think about in terms of where strength is going to play a role? How do you decide that? Um, yeah, I, I think the starting point usually in terms of working with an athlete is getting that training history and figuring out what are the things, if anything, that they do for strength. And, and it's kind of a mixed bag. Right? Like, like I think what we categorized earlier is it rings pretty true for a lot of people. You're either someone who is um, predisposed to doing strength training, you know, you enjoy it, your body, you know, and we all know, like, just, we have these different inclinations, like for some people going into a gym and lifting weights or doing those sorts of movements feels really good. And for others, it's just pulling teeth. Like you don't want to go into the gym. Uh, it, it doesn't feel very good. You'd much rather just go for a run every single day. And so trying to, get some of that information first and figure out where on that spectrum somebody lies. And then from there, you know, I, I usually think about uh, functional movement first. And, and again, I think in, in, by my definitions of strength, that very much is strength, not necessarily how much weight can you move in a, a, a you know, a, a deadlift type of motion um, but can you actually go through that range of motion without getting stuck somewhere, you know, without your heels having to, you know, come off the ground or your, you know, something, some sort of hitch occurring. Um, so that's can really, heels come off the ground for a deadlift? It, 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 that's not necessarily important in the deadlift. It, it is, okay, squats. Fine, squats. All right, so can you, do a, can you do a squat without having to put like a five-pound plate under each foot? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a better example. Um, so if, if you can't, if you can't drop into a good back squat position with your back straight, um, and, and heels flat on the floor without, uh, having to, you know, and, and be able to do that deep enough, uh, without having to prop your heels up in order to get in that proper position, then that, that can tell us a lot, uh, that there's, there's a flexibility issue, which is a, in my mind, uh, a form of strength. The muscles aren't able to go through that range. So, so sort of identifying some of those things first and thinking about what's the lowest hanging fruit that we can tackle, uh, before looking to that sort of ultimate, oh, let's, let's tackle muscular endurance. How fast can you run up that hill with, you know, this amount of weight or something like that? Cause that's, that's far down the road for, for most of us. We use you know, pretty much most people, I'd say, if not everyone has these imbalances that really can be best tended to with the more foundational type of work. And they'll be far better served by that uh, for a while, at least before getting into the, the more specific and, and often sexier forms of, of what we'd consider strength training. Yeah, totally. And I think that's also, that's part of why I think this is an important topic because you see 
other people doing certain workouts and like, oh, that looks great. I want to do that. But then you, if you can't do those basic exercises, which while they're not necessarily specific in terms of, you know, hopefully you're never going to be doing a back squat type movement in a 50 K if you, (laughs) (laughs) unless you're working in aid station, (laughs) maybe, but if, if you can't do that movement safely, then, or just in a way that doesn't have some sort of kink in it, um, you're going to get hurt and you're going to be out for who knows how long if you're, if you get some sort of injury. Um, and once you put on load, like then you really don't want to be loading up because then you're, you're going to make that even worse. So having these, um, when I think about it from a massage therapy standpoint as well, like you want to have mobility first and have good range of motion and then start loading. You don't want to load things first because that will, that will cause problems. Um, well, yeah, and you could, and I think, you know, so to your question earlier about, you know, what do you think about with athletes? I'll often give people, and it doesn't really matter the, you know, what the kind of perceived or, or expressed level of strength and, and fitness the athlete presents when I, when I get started with them, I'll usually put folks through a pretty foundational strength workout that has a few exercises in it that are, that I think serve really well as indicators. Uh, and one of them that I think both of us use quite a lot with folks is this, you know, the star touch or the compass touch, or basically you stand on one leg and you, and then you bend forward, you, and and you touch all four points of the compass. So you touch squat down or squat down. Yeah. Yeah, So you're you're squatting down and you're touching the, you're touching front, you're touching behind, you're touching out to each side. And that often gives a lot of information. For some people they do it and it's just like, it's a breeze. Um, but for a lot of folks, they do that and they find that, you know, it's really difficult to balance or, you know, they can do the one in front just fine. But then when they try to squat down and reach behind the foot, they get really off balance or, or from one side to another, they just can't keep their footing. And it's really challenging. And I think those are great opportunities to identify things that you could work on that could pay huge dividends for something like trail running, where coordination and having good sort of foot stability uh, is, is paramount. Uh, and again, far better than doing a, a strength exercise where both feet are planted on the ground and you're lifting a big weight because how often, as you say, like, are you in the middle of a trail race and both feet are planted at the same time, you know, springing across a raging river, right? small stream. But then on the other hand, when you want to just build top end, like, well, I shouldn't say top end because it's not as specific, but if you just want to build your max strength, doing those types of movements is actually much better than doing balancey type stuff. So that's still where having these foundational movements down so that you can load them so that you can increase your strength ceiling can be really beneficial. So it all kind of feeds on itself. And I think it's one of the reasons that strength is just such an important piece to consider no matter what it is that you're doing and kind of like we talk about a lot, it's like just knowing the goal that you're after and everything, 
everything has some purpose and knowing what that purpose is and how that's going to be improving for the goal that you need. So if you have enough time, maybe you spend a chunk of time working on max strength. The strongest I've ever been was when I did some max strength and then I started doing running intervals up hills and things like that because I knew that that was my limiter. And, um, but for someone like you, who is, you can lift way higher than what the sports that you do require, you get more benefit from actually running flats, which you hate doing. <laughs> yeah. But I, and, and I think that it's an interesting question, you know, how should everybody go through a, a strength progression that leads them through max, max strength. So, so basically, you know, doing several sets of only a few repetitions of, of a given movement or movements at the maximum load that you can sustain. Um, like, is that yeah, I mean, rhetorical question? Like, you know, where, where is the value for that? So we know that, you know, there's a, there's a benefit to that in that you're seeking to recruit the, the highest number of components of a given muscle or muscle group to do that work. And so there are more of them that are basically trained neuromuscularly for that movement. And then, you know, hopefully you can extrapolate those train, you know, that, that training into something that's more sport specific. Um, and yeah, on the one hand, between you and, and me, I can, you know, I can, between you and I, you and me, you and I, I can lift more weight, uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit, uh, a few pounds. Uh, but uh, but I also know that when I, you know, so so on one hand, like, well, yeah, I don't need to do that very often because there's much more uh, opportunity in developing my running economy on flat terrain, which is so boring for me to do. I'd rather run on, on trails. Uh, but at the same time, I know when I go and lift – for, you know, do a few weeks of max strength, everything moves so much better. Like my, you know, I can, it's, 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 I can tend to, if I just go and just start running and just running a lot, it's like, yeah, that like my limiter is being able to run efficiently and that's what I need to do more of. Uh, if I just do that, I start getting tight in place. Like I, my, my range of motion isn't as good and I'm sure part of that is that my running technique can always be improved. But I also know that if I balance that at trying to build running volume with going into the gym once a week or even once every 10 days or so and doing some lifting where I'm really working that range of motion, I feel so much better. Like everything just gets opened up a bit and it seems to create more space. My muscles are more, uh, you know, they're able to work in that range better. Uh, and it almost seems like in that sense, for me, it really is a neuromuscular advantage than it is, you know, a, a pure you know, strength in the sense of like maximal strength. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the other piece, like every, there are more than one, there's more than one benefit for each of these things. So strength has the benefit of increasing your max strength capacity. It also has a benefit of recruiting more muscle fibers. It also has the benefit of um, being kind of a source of recovery as well. For sure. um, yeah. And it can. Um, the right can, types of strength. Right. Yeah. And it can make you also just 
have be a little more resilient to injury. So if you're maybe if you are a little bit inefficient with running or whatever the case may be, having a little bit more strength will help you just give you a little bit more of a buffer. Um, I think of it a little bit like aerobic base training. It's like having a certain base of strength gives you more of a range just in terms of that whole strength spectrum. Um, so, but, uh, so let's pretend that we have, well, so I wrote down in my little notes, um, (laughs) I kind of think of strength as a continuum of those foundational movements that we talked about. I'm not going to call them dumb strength because it's, that's a pejorative. It's smart strength. It's good. Um, (laughs) The baseline strength. And and then on the other end of that spectrum would be doing the activity. So there are some PTs who favor just getting the movement, patterning, and neuromuscular patterning, but not loading the muscles at all, and just doing the movement over and over and over. So So basically running to build strength for running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Specificity through specificity. Right, which has been kind of the common refrain for climbing is like you get strong for climbing by climbing um but we know that you can build more strength um by putting in additional load and practicing some of it i think can just be practicing the movements in a higher load environment um and localizing it and so so focusing on yeah so kind of going from local to global in terms of the muscle groups yeah exactly and so in that in between is where most people fall like okay well how do i know how much strength to do should i do gym strength should i do muscular endurance should i just run um and i think about a few different things and this kind of again goes uh, could be more broadly to everything but What's the, what's the end goal? So if we're talking about a race, what kind of race is that? What type of terrain? What kind of strength do you need? If it's a flat race, you're going to need a different kind of strength than a vertical race or a sky running race. Um, and as you mentioned, what's the athlete's background? Um, do they have more of an endurance background? Do they have more of a power background? Um, and then what motivates the athlete? So we touched on this earlier, but, um, I am much more likely to be compliant doing hill workouts (laughs) than doing a gym strength. You don't say, (laughs) um, I have clients who are the same. And from a coaching standpoint, I have to take a little of my own medicine and still get into the gym sometime because I do know like you will get higher benefit from some of those things where like you're saying you are localizing it instead of having to also have the aerobic cost and the other, um, the different things to mitigate. You can just focus on the strength component, which can be a big benefit. And you can take, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, and, and, and we do this, I, I think, Maybe it was uh, our friend Pete Dickinson, PT, who who mentioned this to me first. Uh, you know, this idea that you can you can couple the two components. So you you go into the gym and you do a strength workout of of some type and some flavor, depending on where you're at in your progression. But then you follow that strength workout up 
with a short recovery effort, ideally in, in the modality that you're training. And, and I think that's a really clever way to approach it because you, so you go into the gym and you, you know, you lift your weights, you do these particular movements that are part of your strength regimen, but then afterward you go out and you do an easy 30 minute run or a, a 30 minute skin, a pill or, or, or spin on the bike, whatever it is. So with the idea being, again, if we come back to this idea of strength uh, is often, you know, this, this neuromuscular training, it's, it's making your muscles more, sm- making them smarter for the activity they need to do more, more in tune with it. So if you go out and run afterward, you've got, you basically got all these freshly primed muscles that have done some work. And now you're going to tell them, okay, now that you're all, you're all ready, you're all lined up and waiting for orders. Now go and run. This is what we do. This is how you, this is how you utilize your new powers to the thing that I want you to be good at. Um, and I think that's a really good way to blend that local and global or, you know, local and, and, and specific, non-specific, specific components at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And um, that a lot of, and you can do it as an activation, the strength workout can be kind of an activation type workout, even before a workout, depending on the person and what their background is. Um, I think the one trick, and obviously this is where the individualization comes in, like that can also be pretty taxing for some people. Um, you know, a gym workout is pretty tiring. And then at the end of that, they're kind of shot. So you also want to make sure that, well, if it's somebody who has tends to have good form and in this case, running doesn't take too much out of them, then great. But for somebody who, you know, if you get somewhat tired doing a strength workout, it might actually be better to do your run at another time so that you're not then going to have poor form when you're running so that you're not um, reinforcing bad habits. Well, and and that is so kind of an example of that, that I know you've done a lot, which I think is, can be really beneficial is I know you would have, uh, you'd be getting ready for a run and you'd have people do strict, really uh, proper sit-ups. So engaging their core, their deep, transverse and and core stability muscles they do you know 10 sit-ups and then they get up and they start running and 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 maybe sometimes you have them run you know for a minute or two first and then you have them do the sit-ups and then you have them run again and the difference in how people feel and i've done i've done this and and can definitely notice how much more engaged your core is at holding your frame well when you're running after you've you know essentially woken up those muscles um, so that's, yeah, I guess to your point, that's a, that's an activation exercise that isn't going to get anybody tired. Uh, it's not going to leave them running more, you know, less effectively, but it's, it's actually going to do the opposite. It's going to waken up these, these muscles that need to be working, but maybe weren't so inclined to do it if you hadn't spoken to them directly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the same can be said for glute type activation bridges and, I mean, even just dynamic warm-ups, just doing a little bit of leg swings and all of that. It's all just the neuromuscular component. It can be really helpful. Yeah, it's not just simple blood flow. <laughs> right. Um, so, got a little in the weeds there, but what's, what's a podcast without a little weeds? Weeding. Getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how do you decide... How do you decide what strength to do? 
So let's say we have somebody who is um, training for the Grand Traverse ski race okay. at the end of March. 40 miles, starts at midnight. Nothing terribly technical. Um, go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh- yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So, so that's, yeah, not, nothing terribly technical, uh, for the durate, for the distance of the race. There's not a lot of vertical gains, 77,000, 7,500 feet, something like that. Um, my name is Kelly and I'm training for the Grand Traverse <laughs> and I, let's see, I do a lot of field work for my job where I carry a pack and I'm on my feet most of the day. Um, but then outside of work, I'm pretty tired. So I don't get a lot of other stuff in. Um, but on the weekends, I go out and ski tour. Mm, okay. Yeah. So what would I think about? I would want to, I'd want to get an idea of what your core strength is like. Um, you know, on one hand, maybe it's really good because you're carrying a pack, you're walking around all day. Uh, so, you know, maybe you've, you've built your frame up to be able to hold that weight and be stable and injury free. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe you have really bad posture when you carry your pack. So doing, you know, some, some simple core exercises to ascertain where you're at there. Um, you know, I think if we're, if we're thinking specifically about something like the grand traverse, uh, it's not necessarily true that strength from something like ski touring, will transfer because again, the grand traverse is more about skinning in varying forms across flat and rolling terrain. You know, there's, there's not, there's only a couple of what we consider like ski tour esque climbs, uh, in that, in that race. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the same as ascending a steeper skin track or breaking trail, uh, in the mountains. So thinking about, are you, are you efficient with your movements? And again, that's, that's a form of strength. Can you, can you have perhaps a higher cadence or, or stand on the ski a little bit longer and get a little glide out of it? Um, so this is this, that, you know, in your example, Kelly, I would be thinking about specificity first. I'd be thinking about core strength and then I'd be thinking about specificity of movement. Um, and, you know, if you're ski touring and, and you're not necessarily complaining about you know, I, I can, you know, I can barely do 3000 feet a day and I'm exhausted. And if you're able to be competently doing that, I think the, the focus would be, all right, let's get your, uh, general fitness that you've built over your days of field work and, and skinning, skiing in the mountains. Uh, let's get that fitness trained toward the specificity of something like the Grand Traverse, maybe even for, you know, an opportunity where you might be using really lightweight race type gear. So, you're going to, you're not going to have as much weight on your feet, but you're going to be moving more quickly and striding longer, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That sounds good. I'll do that. <laughs> Great. Let's get started. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll give you one. Okay. So I, I am, uh, I am Jean-Philippe and I am a, uh, a very avid, uh, CrossFit or 
or enthusiast. I like to, you know, I have um, a gym session, a group group session that I like to do with with a bunch of friends, a couple days a week. Been doing it for years. Feels great. You know, I, I get tired from it, but I can I can do all the exercises and and, and the workouts. And I'm planning on running my first 50k this this summer. I've run. I ran a road marathon last year and, and it went pretty well. I had, I had some, uh, some ankle issues through the training, but I made it through. Uh, and I started doing some trail running, really enjoy it. Uh, and yeah, I'm really psyched to, to get started and run my first 50 K and, and, oh, and I, I, I don't train with heart rate. I just kind of go by feel. This is tricky because strength very quickly like just gets melt like it's one component. So, um, do the best you can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I would want to know what his pacing is at different efforts. Um, and I would want to know what his heart rate is. So that's not entirely strength focused, but, um, speculating, uh, he probably does not need to gain more strength. He probably has plenty of strength for whatever 50K he wants to do. So the lowest hanging fruit is going to be probably postural and injury treatment type stuff, especially if he has ankle issues, um, and probably a lot of the stabilizer type muscles. CrossFit is great for the global movements, it also is throwing weight around a lot, sometimes at higher velocity than <laughs> they actually should be. And so um, I'd want to do an assessment of just kind of primary movements and single leg movements where it's probably a little bit less, you know, actually body weight stuff, maybe a little bit more flexibility um, minded. I've had people where, you know, they're super strong, but then I asked them to do a single leg bridge and they're, they're like sweating because it's so hard. Um, I know what that's like. And a single leg bridge. <laughs> or sideline leg legs. Is, yeah. <laughs> that is quite important to have the glutes and the glute med and all those stabilizing hip muscles to be on board. Um, so a lot of those stabilizing muscles probably need in some of the smaller um, – you know, even the, the ones in the spine. Um, so core and all of that would probably be really beneficial. And then beyond that, just running economy, doing a lot of running. Most CrossFit workout routines don't do more than like 100 meters at a time or maybe a half mile, but that's going as hard as you can. I did a, I had somebody come to my running retreat once where they hated running and they didn't like yoga, but they came with some friends. And I was like, and okay. This is a, this is a yoga, running, a, running a running yoga, yoga retreat. retreat. Yeah. Thought, great. You're going to have a blast. And <laughs> we went out on our run and uh, we were going really easy. And she's like, man, this is so much easier than what I do at CrossFit. I'm like, well, yeah. At CrossFit, you're like running till you puke every time. If you just slow down a little bit, it can be a lot more enjoyable. Um, so just you know, some of that efficiency and economy of movement is probably going to be way more beneficial for that type of athlete than doing more deadlifts or 
um, even muscular endurance. Most CrossFit is muscular endurance, or a lot of it is. Um, so finding, I think what's tricky, and this is this goes both ways. Like if you are if you are strength minded and you really like strength, then you're gonna feel like, well, I can't back off of doing strength because I need to be strong. <laughs> and if you're an endurance person and run all the time mostly under aerobic threshold (laughs) uh you are not gonna want to give up one of your days of running to go do a gym workout when because then you think well I can't let go of that aerobic capacity so trying to figure out where that balance point is and I think that's where figuring out where that motivation for the for the athlete is Um, and the opportunity cost, because there's only so many workouts you can do in a week. And so if you want to continue doing CrossFit, great, but just know that then that's probably a workout or two that then can't be the super specific running specific strength that might give you better gains. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah. And not to, not at all to pick specifically on CrossFit, because I think it is it, it is an example of a lot of different ways in which particularly um, it, it, that strength occurs in people's lives. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's in a group setting, it's at a gym and it's a lot easier. And, and we've, we've done this when we coach in groups and at camps, like it's a, it's a lot easier and it's more fun to have a strength workout be uh higher energy and, you know, have stations and you're moving from station to station and there's kind of a pace to it. And you're sweating your eyeballs out. Well, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I've, there are, there, are, I think there are, you know, many, many people, probably a good majority of people that do uh, group classes like CrossFit, like many others who, who aren't, you know, getting totally gutted at the end of it. You know, that it's like, it's a sustainable effort, but I think to your point, it's really, it's important to acknowledge like what are, um, what is, what is the, what is that workout drawing out of you and, and what is it, what is it not contributing? So if you're doing a workout that has strength components, but also has a, an aerobic intensity component, you know, your heart rate is up, uh, it's recovery is limited, then, then that needs to somehow be accounted for elsewhere in the week where you do tend to, where you do need to focus on, you know, predominantly aerobic intensity and, and really creating the movement in a sustainable way. Because if all your strength has been done in that higher intensity environment, then there's, there's other components of your strength that aren't being tended to. Yeah. I think like you say, just knowing, knowing the training effects that you're after and different ways that you can get that is is the whole art of it i guess i guess we've we've sort of gone through the the takeaways uh if any so what you know if you're if you're wanting to figure out what kind of what where does strength fit into your diet into your regimen of training um one thing we i mean we've sort of we've talked about it throughout sort of as as a component piece but not explicitly is injury prevention and how you know, I think I think strength. One of the primary rules of strength for endurance athletes and athletes who are you know bipedal, you know, or you're you're running or you're skiing or you know cycling or you know, what have you, uh, is is to prevent injury. 
because yeah, as you, as, as we've said at a certain point, the, the top layer of your strength is going to come from doing the thing. Uh, but having injury resilience, uh, by the foundational strength is really important. Um, so I guess that doesn't, we've, we've kind of gone over the, the, the pieces in which you could do that, but it's good to note that it's, it's not necessarily about just being able to run faster or, or ski faster, but it's also like just to be able to do enough volume to get faster. You need to have, you need to have that resilience and that good, you know, functional range of motion of, of a given joint uh, and the muscles surrounding it. Uh, and that's, that's really critical to being able to absorb the loads that you're going to ask of your body. Yeah. I think that's one of the main, so if we maybe think of strength as a pyramid, so you have the foundational movements and core strength at the bottom. And that's, I think the injury prevention is kind of a primary reason to have strength. So, and postural control, you know, especially most of us sit a lot of the day and that is terrible for our posture and it affects how we move every other part of our life. Like, it makes it very hard to get hip extension and hip extension is extremely important for most activities. Upright movement. <laughs> um, yeah. And holding ourselves upright. Like it's just, it's just really detrimental to that. So most of the time, like people sit more than you're training. Very few athletes are training. Yeah. I think maybe COVID has changed this a little bit, but um you know, also think about, yeah, this is a tangent, but think about other things that you could do outside of sitting so that maybe you don't need to have as much mobility and strength work to compensate for sitting a lot. Um, but that foundational strength that helps with posture, helps with movement, um, it helps with injury prevention. Yeah. And then beyond that, then there's the strength that kind of supports the, the specific um, that can be that stabilizer stuff, just kind of maintenance that can be really helpful. And that's where max strength can also fall into being a maintenance piece. Um, and then beyond that, you get a little bit more specific and maybe you're doing things like hill sprints or hiking uphill with weight or where you're still not getting um, an aerobic component to it. It's a quick enough, uh, either a short enough interval that you're not getting a heart rate response, or it's, um, enough of a muscular load. If you're hucking a pack up a hill where you're still, um, just going at an aerobic pace, but you're feeling it in your legs, that's another strength component. Um, and then the kind of that tip of the pyramid is then, you know, you're, zone three intervals and extending those. And that requires quite a bit of strength. Um, and you could, you know, and this is where I was going back to again, of like figuring out what motivates that athlete. Like some people are much more likely to actually complete the uphill intervals, but you're really not going to build much strength if you don't have those other things before it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's, I think that motivation piece is, is really crucial because there is, 
Yeah. So you, it's easy to come up against the obstacle of, well, I don't want to go back into the gym or, you know, I'm, I'm much more content to do it out on the hill and, and build my muscular endurance in a, in a more global way. And, and again, it's just, I think this is, and this is a piece that we talk about, you know, throughout all the training, just understanding the work that you're doing and what it's contributing to. So if, if you are seeking to build muscular endurance, then doing uphill intervals can be a great way to do that, but know that that's also a global effect. It has, a, you know, a high, you know, anaerobic and, you know, and in some cases anaerobic component to it. So it's going to be more taxing for your body. So figuring out how to balance that load. Um, another piece, you know, with strength that we haven't talked about much and, and we'll talk about in later podcasts again is, is speed, you know, so, so training speed, you know, from, from the various sort of fundamental end, which is how, how quickly can a muscle fire? You know, what's that, that neuromuscular connectivity? How quickly can, can the brain send a signal to a muscle and have it respond uh, is absolutely strength. And so starting from, you know, jumping up onto a, you know, jumping across a, a stick to jumping up onto a box to sprinting 50 meters to, you know, extending that. Uh, you know, so identifying, you know, where in your, you know, leading toward your given objective, how much, how much room do you, can you gain from, by doing some speed training? And that's something that can be done in a specific manner, obviously, because that, you know, you, your, the muscles need to be done, you know, need to be doing that work in the way that they're intending to, to do so in your, in your objective. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I, I think the way you summarize Alice is really good is thinking about what, what's going to be most motivating for you as an athlete to, to do on a consistent basis. And then in thinking about that, also recognizing, okay, if I'm most motivated and speak for myself, like I'm most motivated to go out and run up steep hills and that's great. I can get muscular endurance from that, but what am I not doing? And for me, the stuff that I'm not doing that you so lovingly tell me, and identify it's like I don't do the the single leg bridges and I don't do the sideline leg lift and the stuff to to take care of those stabilizing and supportive muscles that are at sometimes kind of hanging on for dear life as I thrash on them on our long hard workouts outside so identifying your weaknesses know thyself yeah yeah know know yourself yeah exactly because I think that's also a piece of it like I, for whatever reason, don't really need to do that stuff. I don't get those types of injuries, but I need to build strength actually in the gym so that I actually have some power to go uphill. Yeah. So, um, knowing the components of strength that you're lacking and, and knowing what your strengths are too. And then I think that makes it easier to maybe sacrifice one day to be like, Oh, I know that this is going to really help me in this part that I get annoyed when I can't go up this hill faster. Um, and so I'm willing to do the thing that I'm not quite as excited about because of that. So what you're really saying is when it comes to strength, it depends. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So no, yeah. The athlete knows himself. Then or herself or her, yeah them yeah women can herself. be athletes too oh gosh dang it <laughs> uh, and then they can yeah then they're able to to take that information and figure out uh, the best way to move forward yeah all right sounds good 
And then speed, when you guys, I mean, speed is so, it's kind of hard not to talk about speed because there is such a strength component, but I think yours and Scott's podcast will be great for that. But it made me think of it when you, when you mentioned the track, like I, I put that in for runners who really just want to be out in the mountains all day, but, and you think, oh, well, why is that? That is so not specific, but oh yeah, this fall I did a series of track workouts and I'd come back and my core was like sore <laughs> and more sore than it was when I just go do a core workout because it's so specific um, and it can help clean up your form, which is a form of strength. And, there, you know, there's just all kinds of benefits from from speed oh yeah they're very intricately linked yeah yeah speed speed is huge and it's and i think it is it is something you know even i'd say more so than the the strength training we've been talking about you know lifting weights and doing things like that i think speed training at the most kind of foundational level is even more ignored by endurance and particularly ultra endurance athletes and you know and it's understandable is if you're running a hundred miler and your average pace is going to be in the you know 13 to 15 minute mile range then why on earth are you going to go and spend a lot of time on a track running you know six minute miles or or you know sprinting in four minute mile for for 50 meters but but yeah there's there's so many different benefits that come from that. And I think form is a really important one. You know, it's really, it's difficult to develop, to build really good form when you're moving slow. You're just, you know, you're not, the muscles aren't firing as dynamically. You're not lengthening in those range of, ranges of motion as well. And the same sort of thing with recruitment. You just don't need to recruit as many muscle fibers. Right. So, which is fine, but which is great. That's kind of the point. But, but a lot of them just kind of jump out of the pool because they right. figure they're not needed, and then you have a small pool. And so, if you're trying to go fast, you actually have to engage more muscle fibers and yeah. bring them off the bench. Yeah. But TBD, TBD, TBC, TBA, to be known, to be to be continued, TBC. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Awesome. Until right. then. Great. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. And have a good evening or morning or afternoon or whatever you're having and get out there and do some strength training. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about what we do, please go to our website, uphillathlete.com.